Welcome to This Is A Podcast That I Do. I am your host, Salvatore Stefanelli, and today on the line with me is my good buddy, my pal, Ben Gretsch. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to come on with you uh, on, on This Is A Podcast That You Do. <laughs> um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. So uh, for people out there that know Ben, he's been in the uh, fantasy community for a few years now, recently um, launched his own newsletter. And I want to talk to him today uh, about like betting on himself, what it's like to launch your own product. Uh, we'll get to know Ben a little bit. Um, so one thing I like to do on the show is before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of it is you know, let people know where they can find you on Twitter, uh, where they can find your newsletter. And I know, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself outside of the fantasy football community. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Twitter at yards per Gretch, like yards per catch, but with my last name. Uh, okay, I never put that together until this very. <laughs> <laughs> there was a running thing on on uh, the CBS podcast when I was there that Gretch and catch don't rhyme, which they do to me, and I'm sure they do to you because geographically we're in a similar area. But a lot of the East Coasters say catch, and so they say Gretch and catch don't rhyme. Um, so anyway, that's a uh, a part of it that I didn't anticipate was that that people are like your your name's ridiculous, it doesn't even rhyme. But yeah, uh, online, bengretch.substack.com, substack.com is where you can sign up for the newsletter, and it comes directly to your inbox. I write Stealing Signals every weekend on Mondays and Tuesdays where uh, I do a few hundred words on every team or every game with like a key stat, some snap notes, and then um, a little bit of a longer discussion of the players and the and the the things that happened in the game that I that I think impacted um most specifically like what what people are going to see in the box score and what they're going to think about you know the fantasy players involved and then also like maybe what they should think about them if it's not necessarily you know if there's something hidden there and then kind of wrap that up with like a signal and a noise section where I'm talking about what you know what I just said what what are the things in this game that were actually signal of what's going to come and what were the things that were noise. And so it's a really long project. Um, it's just kind of a review piece. I've had people ask, you know, do you do DFS work through this subscription? Do you do, uh, you know, follow up work later in the week? There's so much good content in this industry. This is the one thing that, um, that I think I do well. So for me, it's going to be this recap thing. And then I think, you know, there's so many places that you can get the other analysis that, um, you know, as part of this, I'm excited that I, I no longer feel like that's my obligation to do. <laughs> so uh, later in the week, I'm I'm writing also for uh, Odds Checker, which is a, a sports betting site, doing you know writing some game previews and and some some sports betting picks. So um, that's another place you can find me. And then yeah, you asked a little bit about myself outside the fantasy football community. 33 year old dad, two daughters, um, nine and just turned five. Um, and so uh, I I love that. I love being a girl dad. They are getting a lot bigger. I think they're the 
Uh, I think I'm kind of lucky in terms of uh, the, you know, the pandemic and being at home that they're this certain age where, you know, they're, they're pretty self-sufficient. Um, they are um, not old, so old that I don't feel like they won't listen to me anymore. <laughs> so they kind of just want to play all the time. Um, and, and they're pretty incredible too, two pretty incredible little girls that I'm super proud of. So they're kind of a huge, huge element of my life outside of fantasy football. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not even really into sports or football. So this is, this is sort of my thing. And then I, you know, I play animal crossing with my daughter and things like that. So that's, that's kind of, that's, that's me outside of, uh, outside of the fantasy football community. I mean, obviously I have my, my guy friends, my poker nights and stuff as well, but yeah, that's kind of just, you know, I play a lot of golf. That's, those are, I'm pretty boring. (laughs) Can't play golf now though. No, not, not so much uh, in the fall. No, I put the clubs away once football season starts. So that's one thing we have in common. And we've talked about it many times. Like we're both close in age. I also have a daughter. She's about to turn 17 actually on Friday. And we're living through this uh, unprecedented time with the pandemic. Uh, I know you mentioned you were reading the Harry Potter series with your daughter before. Yep. Um, I know with our family, we've been watching uh, Schitt's Creek. So that's one thing we've been doing together. So just like how have you guys been trying to pass the time, trying to make things work? It's certainly hard. I mean, um, you don't want the kids to have too much screen time, which is the big challenge of, you know, 21st century parenting, obviously, but inevitably they do get a lot. And then, um, you know, that can wind kids up a little bit. And then they just have almost more energy because they've been sitting, you know, on, they have, you know, the iPads or whatever that they play on some, but, um, we, we did a lot of biking over the summer. We tried to get outside and at least bike around the neighborhood. We, um, and I bought some little lawn games. I don't have a big lawn, but play, you know, occasionally. They're just to, like, get outside. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, a lot of, like, indoor stuff. A lot of reading books, um, Legos and Lincoln Logs and, and uh, Connects. You know, we've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Building, they like to do that, sink their teeth into things like that. So I might have two little engineers on my hands. <laughs> but, um, yeah, kind of just your, your standard, like, trying to find things to do. A lot of board games, a lot of card games. My, my girls are pretty sharp, so they've picked up, you know, a lot of rules. My younger one is five, and she can beat me. In check. She whooped my butt in checkers last night. I mean, I was only barely letting her. Like, I let her have, like, a double jump early on, and then, like, from then on, she just was crushing me. So, I mean, they're yeah they're they're fun to, to to play with i mean and that's just sort of like the the joys of parenting as well like i said they're at a good age so we're just doing a lot of those kinds of things nice it's funny just listening to talk about all those things like playing cards uh checkers and then here's my daughter like they started their own discord server with their friends <laughs> and i'm like until like the beginning of this year i never even heard of discord until they started one for our work and just thinking to it now when she first told me they started discord server and what you can actually do on discord i'm like i would have never in a million years uh thought about doing this when i was your age or even knowing how to do it right i'm very concerned about that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they get to that age you know that's um, like what like you're like six years six or seven years from now for you i don't even want to imagine what technology and what we have right. at our fingertips in the future. I mean, it's funny. I think our generation looked at our parents and were like, oh, my God, they don't know anything about computers, like da-da-da-da-da. But if you actually think about how that came to pass, it's because we grew up with them and they did it and they had to learn it in adulthood. 
And then you realize you do have kids and what they're growing up with, and it's just scary. Like <laughs> to know that the the knowledge gap that you had between your parents when you were those mischievous ages, uh, I am. Yeah, I'm terrified of what my my girls are gonna or know how to do. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny. My fiance, um, she has her own website that she built through Squarespace, and she's been wanting to update it, and but she can't really find a template that she, like is perfect for her. And so my daughter just casually throws out, "Well, you should just like code it yourself." She's like, "You know, you can do HTML coding. That's the easiest one." And I'm thinking to myself, like, I had to write articles back in the day where I had to insert HTML code for everything, and I would just go mad at building my own website from scratch. But to them, it's just like, just like, the, like a snap of the finger, boom, uh, done. I yeah. Anytime I've had to work with HTML as well, it's like, it's it's not it's not easy for sure. And I've tried to learn, you know, how to code and in R and stuff and have very, very basic skills in those areas, but it's it's a it's a old dog new tricks type thing. It's hard to do for someone who didn't do a lot of, you know, coding and, and back end computer work at all. None really. I, I was always just the you know, the the basic computer user uh until I was, you know, at least in my mid twenties or later twenties when I tried to start learning some more about this stuff and learning it when as you're growing up, learning how these things work and everything, it's just you have such a better knowledge base. I mean, the, the things, it's wild. Yeah. I don't even know how to edit this podcast, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> like, who knows if people will be able to hear it or not. But um, I know, I think I think we could probably talk about our family and our kids for hours. So I'm going to stop us now before we run out of time, because we're going to move on to what your favorite topic is, which is talking about yourself. I know just how much you love to do that. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier, the purpose of this show is to talk to you about your new newsletter, uh, no, Betty on Yourself, try and get into like the nuts and bolts of what it's like running your own product and service. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to take it back to the beginning so people can get to know the journey you took to get to where you are today. Uh, We've known each other for a while now. I'd like to say maybe even for your entire fantasy writing career because I came on a couple years before you. And I was first aware of your work via Rotoviz. You burst out onto the scene in 2015. Your first article uh, discussed why C.J. Spiller was the only Saints running back with top 10 uh, PPR upside. Nailed I think uh, no Mark Ingram wants a word with you on that one. <laughs> I know those were your words, not mine. But um, from there, then, you took your talents to Broder Grinders, which is a site primarily known for DFS content, which then had a uh, spinoff kind of like resurgence of Fantasy Outsiders, which used to be a DFS platform, but then became, I would say, like, uh, best way to put it is like a seasonal offshoot of Roto Grinders. And then you, know, you finally landed at CBS Fantasy Sports. So uh, my questions to you, how did you first get into fantasy writing? What was the process like to becoming a Rotoviz writer? Uh, what has it been like being a part of the fantasy industry for the past five years? And if you want to throw out any advice to uh, you know content creators just getting into the industry. I know that's a lot, so we can break it down a bit. Yeah, I mean, so kind of how I started was I always liked fantasy football. I started playing fantasy, you know, I'm one of those people that, oh, I started when I was 12. But I was I was a nerd when I was a kid, a big stats nerd. I mean, I, I was a, a sports guy as well, you know, played played all, all the sports growing up, but really was kind of uh, obsessed with stats. That was kind of my, my thing that I would nerd out about as a kid, and um I was a 12-year-old visiting my grandparents, and they said, you know, me and my my younger sister could buy a magazine 
at the at the train station for our train ride home, two states away. You know, it was just me and her back in those days. I was uh, I could take my eight year old younger sister, just the two of us, on a train ride. You know, overnight train ride. Um, you don't really see that as frequently today. Uh, but I picked out this, you know, football magazine, whatever it was, Sports Weekly or something. Um, and in the back of it, the last three pages, there was this little primer on, on what fancy football is. And I got home, told my older brothers about it. We started a league that night. We literally only had four people the first year. Uh, but the next year we had 10 or 12 cause we, we got, you know, enough people in the, in the, um, the group interested. My older brothers are, you know, they were in, in high school at this time or at least middle school. Uh, and we, that league still runs, but so I, I started that so young that I was into fantasy football. Um, you know, I, I was in high school and I graduated in 2005. So the early OOs and I was already a big, you know, fantasy football player. I was really interested in it. Um, I was also, you know, very into baseball stats and, um, you know, it's kind of the money ball years. And, um, I, Went, went off to college, you know, continued to just be, like, very excited about that stuff. Reached out to some sites but never heard back from anyone. And then, in, yeah, in 20 uh, – you know, I went on and, and just kind of did my other thing. I, I had kids, and uh, in 2015, I was just kind of bored at my job. And um, I actually first responded to uh, PFF's kind of annual calls for game charters and got a chance to, to – do some sample games and, and did really well. And then was starting to kind of come on with them and, and do some of their low level um, game charting stuff and learning that process. Uh, and wasn't necessarily loving it. Uh, I, they have, you know, they have a lot of games to do. So I, I kind of felt like there was a little bit more of a focus on getting, you know, being, being speedy at it and getting through a lot of games more than um, being super accurate, which is kind of like, for me, I'm, I'm more like this meticulous person. It, it, I, was, I wasn't able to do them as quickly as uh, I, I think you kind of need to be able to do them to do that work. Uh, and But, you know, that's how I started to get kind of involved and was like, oh, hey, you know, this is cool. I, you know, I, I, I am employed at uh, you know, a football site. This is very cool. Um, but in August of that year, I saw, I guess, a call or, or something from Rotoviz. I'd found Rotoviz the year before and thought they were just such an awesome site. I didn't even realize at the time that Rotoviz had just started in 2013. It was this brand new site. I found them in 2014, uh, had been subscribing. I think I did like an in-season subscription in 2014 and w was really enjoying the kind of analytically focused stuff they were writing about. Uh, I felt like it was more in line with the way that I thought about fantasy football than anything else I'd ever found. Um and so I ended up just, you know, finding some kind of call for it or whatever. Uh, the great fantasy douche who was, you know, like a mentor to me definitely uh, was at some point, I, you know, I was probably following him on Twitter. He tweeted it out or something. But something somewhere I got his email and I just sent him an email, uh, a long email, kind of um, – it's similar to a story I've heard J.J. Zacharyson tell about how Chris Raybon started Number Fire. It was, it was me just bashing a, in a, a fantasy article I'd seen somewhere else and I – you know, it was explained to him how I thought that Rotoviz did things so differently. This was, you know, an article I had seen elsewhere and I thought was just kind of poorly done. And it wasn't, um, you know, meant to be cruel, but it was just like, the, you know, I, this is what I love about your site. And he wrote me back and he was like, well, you know, uh, why don't you pick a topic and write something and, and focus in on one thing. The first piece of advice he gave me that is one of the best piece of advice is that I still uh, – still remember to this day, which was uh, don't try to solve every 
um, problem you see in fantasy football in one article. Don't, you know, because I, I think in my original email, it was, you know, much like stealing signals. It's like, I have a lot of thoughts in my head. It was me trying to explain a lot of things that I was thought, thought and had opinions on. Um, and so I made this, you know, concise argument about why CJ Spiller could dominate in this pass catching role vacated by Darren Sproles. Um, again, totally nailed it. CJ Spiller <laughs> just went on to, uh, become an absolute superstar for the saints. Um, no, but it, it kind of for you know foreshadowed uh, Alvin Kamara a few years later. I mean, I think that role was – that analysis of that role was at least somewhat somewhat valid. But, yeah, and they liked it, and they asked if I wanted to do more. I, I wrote for them during the 2015 season, and because of that, I, I stopped doing the PFF stuff because I was just um, finding a different outlet that I was really enjoying. Um, people seemed to like my writing – you know, people like you, yeah, I, you know, I, I remember hearing from you early on, and it was people like that 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 made me feel like I, you know, had something that I could do, pretty cool here. That there was some some people that I respected that that liked my work. And by January of 2016, um, Frank Fantasy Douche asked me to be an editor at Rotoviz, and then I was kind of in this like editing circle that we'd kind of discussed the, you know, the the elements of the site and this and that, and I just learned so much from that opportunity, just being in a Slack chat with him and Kevin Cole and Nick Giffen, the Rotodoc, and, and Charles Kleinhexel. It was like the five of us, and I felt so out of place among those guys, but um, getting the opportunity to just kind of discuss with them on a daily basis in Slack, in this private channel, um, you know, I picked up on a lot of things, um, you know, hopefully brought a little bit of, on my own, and um, that was all 2016 and then 2017 is when I started stealing signals. And then, you know, things kind of just went uphill from there or, or I guess downhill from there, <laughs> however that phrase goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of just like a random thing. And when people ask me, how did I get into it and, and what I should do? I, I try to tell them, you know, I think one big thing was, is finding, um, finding an audience you know, uh, you, I hear a lot of people talk about doing unique work. I think that's a great thing. People who ask me who are younger, they've asked me, you know, should I learn to code or whatever? Yes. Like, I, I think that's a great way to build a quick following in the fantasy football community right now, 100%, because you can do more unique stuff that people aren't doing. Um, you know, like Hayden Winks is a guy over at Roto World who's been doing some really awesome stuff uh, this offseason. He's, he's got some of those skills. Um, and, you know, I, I – apologies to Hayden if, if he's been doing this for a long time. I didn't know who he was until I think last year. Uh, and he's, he's really grown his following quickly. I mean, people like, like that kind of a thing. And that's, that's one path. It's not the only path. Um, but yeah, find kind of your thing, um, grow a, grow a following on social helps. But yeah, I would say it's also just, it's fine to just start it. Like start at a site, you know, that maybe is just looking for contributors. There's a lot of sites out there. Find some people that you look up to that you can learn from while you're also, you know, doing stuff. Uh, like that's the biggest, you know, advice. Um, be be willing to be um, to have conviction and and you know I, I I think that's sort of one of the problems in the fantasy industry, but it is the reality of it that people make you know really bold flashy statements um, and then hope that they hit. And if they hit, they, it's really helpful for their, you know, for their persona. Uh, but it is, you know, genuinely advice that if you can, if you can play that up, like that's helpful. So, I mean, those are all things that I think, uh, 
are are pieces of advice that I would I would give people. And I like the um, you know building your own path piece of advice because one thing I like to tell people, especially because I, I feel like I hit on this so many times <laughs> in these podcasts, is the fantasy industry is so saturated these days with websites and writers popping up almost every day, <laughs> especially in the off season is that it's hard to get noticed. So if people aren't noticing you, you need to make them notice you. And the best way of doing that is by creating something like unique that you mentioned that they can't find anywhere else or just presenting data in a different way. And you've done such a great job of that with stealing signals. Now, is something signal? Is something noise? When you just like say it out loud and you think about, oh, that's such a simple way of breaking this down. But of course, there's so much that goes into that. And you know, since stealing signals is the content most people associate you with, and you mentioned uh, Rotoviz, how the first time it was brought to the public was in 2017. So I wanted to you know just talk a little bit about stealing signals itself, like walk us through the genesis of stealing signals. Like how did you come up with the idea? Why did you call it stealing signals? How has it evolved over the years? Um, yeah, no, the idea was Sean Siegel's another huge mentor of mine who I was just looking at my phone because we're texted right now. We have a team, a couple, couple teams that we managed together and have for, for several years. Um, so should I be interviewing him then? <laughs> yeah, a couple, uh, I mean, like that, that's another, another person that I would just say that I was so lucky to have in my corner early on. Um, you know, I remember Sean, like in 2016, when I became an editor, I think he liked some of my feedback. He would sometimes like message me and be like, Hey, I just put an article in. I, w- I want to get your thoughts on it. And I thought that was like the coolest compliment that, um, you know, he wanted me to, 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 I don't know that that's the right way of saying it. Cause I don't think he was trying to be, you know, rude to any other editor, but I think he, he, he valued my opinion. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that he wanted me to be the one to edit it, but it was like, you know, and I would be, I'd drop my, you know, I'd drop whatever I was doing and be like, yeah, I'm going to like Sean Siegel's telling me to read his writing. He's like <laughs> phenomenal. Um, I'm going to go give him whatever, you know, whatever feedback I can come up with. I think that is one of my skills is even though I had so much, um, so much respect for him, I had no problem challenging individual things or telling him if I thought he missed something, you know, like that's just something that I've always had is like, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, you know, you made the joke that I love talking about myself because we were talking before that I don't, but I, I love making arguments about other things that aren't related to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I love having the discussion about, well, is this correct about this? You know, let's, let's break down the analysis of this. Um, the secondary thing. I mean, those, th- th- that's something that I enjoy, obviously for anyone who's read my work. Um, but he came up with that. It's funny. So Frank first was kind of reining me in cause I had so many things that I wanted to share. And there were so many ways that, um, so many different elements of fantasy football that I had opinions on. It's when I started fantasy writing, I had been doing it for so long. I'd been doing so many of my own analyses. I had built my own like projection template, which then Rotoviz had the projection machine. It was so similar. It was one of the most shocking things to me was like um, Frank had built this top down um, projection machine that I think influenced the way a lot of people do projections in the industry. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are already doing it that way, but I know that, that Frank's, original projection machine at Rotoviz, you know, five, six years ago now, um, was a really cool thing before its time. And, um, I had done, you know, like I said, I had done something similar where I was looking at like coaching tendencies and, and a lot of these team level things first and setting team volume first and then splitting out, uh, player opportunity 
Um, certainly the way that he did it was a, was like an, an improvement on that, and it was like so cool. I just threw away my old template. But I had all these all these things that I had built that over the years, and so when I started, I almost had like a portfolio of things I could draw from. And, okay, that's a cool idea. I want to update that for 2015 or 2016 or whatever year we were in. Um, you know, here, here's something I can expand on. Here's some thoughts I've had. I, I would write notes to myself. So for somebody who's thinking about getting in the industry, into the industry, that's another thing I would recommend is like, even if you can't get an opportunity, write for yourself, put it in a, in a, in a document, put it on Google drive. Um, so when you, when that opportunity comes, you have ideas of your own that you can draw off that you maybe have never seen anywhere and you can kind of make a splash right away with idea after idea after idea that are unique ideas, you look like you're coming up with all of them on the spot, but really you've been building building it up over you know, some time. Yeah, that's something I used to do when I used to be a fancy football writer is I would take all these like super interesting uh, tweets that I would see about players and stats, and I had a huge-ass folder with uh, folders on every player and just tweets about you know what had happened in the games previously for just content ideas down the road and that I can also be able to credit these people without yeah. having to go back and look for it. So it's a, definitely a great way to just get yourself prepared. And like you said, you don't have a site. You can build a site like WordPress has free sites. Google sites have free sites. I mean, you can just write something in your notes app and tweet it out. Like there's so many ways to just share your content these days. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. That is true. And I think the most discouraging thing is, okay, no one's reading it, but the reality <laughs> is one Probably more people are seeing it than you realize. Every kind of break that I've gotten has been from somebody that I didn't know even knew who I was, but had followed my work. Um, and there's been several. Uh, and I have been very lucky in that sense. But that is something that you should keep in mind. Like you might not think the click numbers are great or whatever, but there might be someone following you or, or seeing your work that is is um, going to be in your corner down the road. And then two is you're building this portfolio, like we were just talking about. You know, I was saying I was doing it on my own and saving it in my own, you know, Dropbox or whatever I had back then. But if you're putting it out there in the world, somebody can then go back and, and check it out, um, and you know, see your evolution as a writer. And 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 that's never going to be harmful. I mean, that's that's just helpful for you. But yeah, anyway, I was throwing out so many things. So Sean came to me in in 2017 and was like, I want you to write this. Like, we want to do a piece where we're doing a recap of every team every week. And I like, I want you to write it. I want you, um, basically it was like, I want your opinion on, I don't even know if it was that we want to do this type of piece. I think it was, he came to me and he was like, I want to read, like I would like to read your writing. And then I was like, well, that's such a compliment from you. Like that's ridiculous, but I appreciate that. And I was like, but no, that's way too much work. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it was like in June. He's coming to me and telling me this. I'm like, I, I can't. Uh, maybe it was July. He comes to me a couple of weeks later and you know, we're having some other conversation. And he's like, this is why I think it would be great if you wrote a piece during the season where you wrote about every team every week. And I was like, again, so flattering, but not going to do that. Sorry. <laughs> and then it was like the third time that he had brought it up that I was like, okay, fine. Like, this is a, a super cool, um, a super cool thing that you're you're recommending. I mean, I don't think I was like completely shooting it down and saying no, and he was still being pushy. It was more like, I don't know, I don't know. But he kind of it took some convincing, frankly. I didn't know if I would be able to do it um, in terms of the workload, and I know that I just get so deep into things that trying to take on 
things that are that big, you know, going back to Frank's initial advice to me when I started, don't try to solve every problem at once. It's a lot, right, mm-hmm. to try to dive deep into so many different things. Um, but, yeah, it was Sean's idea entirely. It was Sean's idea for the name, Stealing Signals. Uh, we floated around some names. I came up with some that weren't good. Uh, <laughs> Can you tell us some of them? Some of, yeah, Frank and some of those guys had come up with some names. I didn't really like Stealing Signals at first. That was, the, the I think, the first idea that popped into Sean's head, and then eventually it kind of circled back to it when we were tossing around other names, and I was like, actually, I, I think Steel Signals is the best one we've come up with so far. Let's go to that. Um, and then, you know, that was all we really had. I'm going to write about every team, and we have Stealing Signals. And, and the part I can take credit for is the actual structure is then, okay, now that Sean has talked to me about his vision of this, my wheels start turning, and I'm going, man, I can I can do it this way. I can do snap counts. I'll throw a key stat in there for every game. Uh, and then for every – and actually, the first year, it was every team individually. And for every team, I'll have a recap at the bottom for their signal and their noise for that week. And it was just like – you know, when I mentioned that to, to those guys, they were like, yeah, that, that sounds great. And um, that all kind of just clicked as I was like in the week before the first time I wrote this in season – um, what the structure would be even, you know, it was all just really pretty last minute and I did it and people really liked it over the years. I, to try to make it shorter, I went from every team every week to, um, and this was just learning as I was going through each team, you know, I'm talking about the team level elements and the game elements that impact the stats. You know, this was a really high paced game. Well, now that I just wrote Dallas last weekend, they, they had this really high paced game, scored a bunch of points. Now I also want to write Atlanta because I'm looking at this game and I'm looking at this box score and I'm looking at all the stats from this game. And so I'd always write the teams back-to-back that played each other. And then it ended up becoming a thing, well, I guess I'll just start doing it as a game and maybe that'll make it quicker, which it doesn't. I just still <laughs> spend so much time on each team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it's evolved over the years as well. There's been a lot of different things. Uh, when I was at Fantasy Insiders and at Roto Grinders, which was an awesome opportunity, um uh, I was also kind of, I was the editor in chief of that fantasy insiders vertical that was the, you know, the seasonal content. And I was trying to also manage, you know, some young writers that we had brought on, um, didn't have a, a really huge team there. And just on that seasonal side, obviously Roto-Grinders is a, has a huge team uh, overall, but um, it was harder for me to do that deep of content and spend like half my week on it because really it's like all day, Sunday, all day, Monday, all day, Tuesday, and I'm fried on Wednesday, um, and and I was you know I was ed- trying to edit and stuff, and I got you know a great editor named Charlie Wright who started helping with a lot of the editing and taking on stuff so I could do it. But we tried other things with it. Is is where I'm going with this? We tried video versions, and um, it just all it always seemed to come back to the writing side of it. And then and then last year I did the did it on CBS, and and now here we are on a newsletter. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a big process and a lot of work, but it's something that I've always really, you know, gotten a lot out of. It's informed all of my my research for the rest of the week every every time I do it. So um, now that I have sort of a process down that I do, it's something that I'm almost kind of kind of scared to do an NFL season without going through all that research in you know on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so you'd mentioned uh, you had different names for stealing signals that were basically quote-unquote horrible bad <laughs> do you remember any of them i don't man i wish i did that was yeah 2017 um they weren't good 
<laughs> they were good. Probably some were better than I thought, and I just didn't like them at first. But, um, yeah, I don't think we really were on to a whole lot of, of clever names. Here's one for you. Noise signifiers. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Like, the thing is, we didn't know we were going to, like, we, we didn't know it was going to evolve into this signal and noise thing. So it was just, like, thinking of ways to talk about or, or to, you know, explain that we're going to be writing about every team every week. And, you know, Silva already had the matchups column, and Reeves already had the worksheet column. And I think in some ways when Sean pitched it, he was like, it's going to be kind of like the worksheet, um, but more of a review instead of a matchup space, you know, forward-looking thing. Like both Silva's and, and Reeves, which are amazing content, um, they are analyzing the matchups for the next week. They're also doing a lot of what, you know, Signals does. They're looking back at old stuff and talking about the trends and things that are changing. But they're informing on, you know, uh, offensive and defensive injuries and, and things that are going to impact the future. Um, so those are, again, those, like if you like signals, that's where you should turn next to go um, see what to do for the following week for starts and sits and those types of things. Um, signals, the one way we did focus it was this is just going to be descriptive mostly and, and reviewing, although obviously I do give a lot of, um, you know, long-term advice as far as like this is something to watch uh, or this is um, a workload that would lead to many big weeks in the future, but I'm not necessarily going and looking at the matchups coming up and telling you that mat- that big week's going to come next week. I do that sometimes. I did that this week with a few players. Like Kenyon Drake looks like he has a great schedule coming up, but um, I try to focus it on just a review of the week that was, mm-hmm. which is still plenty in itself. <laughs> I think that's one of the nice additions to your newsletter this year is how at the end you just have like a quick bullet point rundown, signal, noise, and the one that stuck in my head was you no know, DJ Chark. He was on the noise side of things because of his low targets over the first two weeks and how many people on Twitter were just like worried about this. And I'm just like thinking to myself, no, he'll be fine. He uh, ben, ben said it's just noise and I trust him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. He does have more more target competition, but the, the, the things he's got going for him, he's run, run easily the most routes both games. He's the clear number one in routes run and route percentage. Um, and then every target he's seen, he's caught, and he has he's averaging over 15 yards per target, so it's not like he's been bad. He's caught seven out of seven targets for uh, you know, a ridiculous number of yards that, again, it's over 15 uh, per target. It's you know, over 100 yards, I think, uh, on just seven catches, so that's very impressive, I would say, and not something that I'm, you know, particularly concerned about him, and especially because they only threw 20 passes in week one and all these things. I know you don't want to get into so much, you know, individual player stuff, but I, I think Chark's going to be just fine. It's okay. I'll just cut all this out. Okay. <laughs> but um, before we keep talking about you, I did want to just give a brief moment to highlight what you said about uh, Sean as an editor. Uh, and going back to what you said earlier about trying to get as many unique skills as you can in this industry, because you never know what's going to happen. And you know, going from a writer to maybe one day becoming an editor, and you know, Sean pitched you on this idea. He you know had the name for it, kind of a little bit of the structure. But the thing is that he knew that you were the person that should write this article, which maybe not every editor knows, but the good editors, when they have a germ of an idea that they don't want to do for themselves, they know the perfect person for it. And I think that's a great skill to have as an editor because not only does it you know, highlight that individual and what they can do well, 
but also gives a boost to your website. So if you are listening and you do edit a fantasy football website or you just edit any website, a great skill to have is knowing what your writers can and cannot do. And in the long run, that's going to go a long way because, like I said, you're a writer, but you've also done editing. And there's so many people out there that write, edit, produce podcasts. Like, you can't just do one thing anymore in this industry unless you do that one thing really fucking awesome. But, you know, not everyone has that particular skill set. I I couldn't agree with that more, Sal. And that's – you have – you're great at that skill as well. That I mean, when we get to kind of talking about – the the Substack and everything, you were the one who suggested it. And you were like, this would work really well in an email newsletter. And I hadn't really even considered that. And it's like, man, it's probably very accurate. <laughs> like, that's probably right. <laughs> and we talked about it a little bit more, a longtime follower by the name of Patrick Keefe, who's been, uh, you know, a big road of his follower for years and years, had the, had a similar idea. Now I'm like, okay, now two people that I really value their opinion, um, and 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 think they know what they're doing, what they're doing, what they're talking about, um, and and our consumers of content think that this is the best format for this. And anyway, you had a, a great eye for how this would work, and I think it's gone really well in this format as well. So, yeah, it's it's what the, knowing what the the, the writer skills are, knowing what types of content would be successful. That is so so important. Yeah, so shout out to Sean out there. You can follow him on Twitter at ff underscore uh, contrarian. I know he'll really appreciate your follows. Um, but uh, going back to what you just said, I remember when we had talked about you know, what might be the next step. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a Patreon account. And I'm like, and I suggested Substack. And in my mind, like, you seem kind of gung-ho on Patreon. And I didn't want to push you one way or the other. But I was kind of disappointed <laughs> when you were, like, really, really set on going with Patreon. But then when you set out, um, finding that you sent out that tweet, that tweet, that your product was going to be on Substack, like I was kind of like in my chair, like I had like a high five, fist in the air. I'm like, yes, like because in my <laughs> mind, it, it honestly is like the perfect platform for your product. And I I know a thing or two about this because I've you know edited, uh, produced, run fantasy football newsletters in the past, and I just consume so much content that I kind of like have a feel for what what type of platform works well with what type of content. So I was, yeah. So this is just me patting myself on the back because I don't get you to do should. that too often. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe I didn't circle back because you're saying you learned that from the tweet. I was having so many conversations. Obviously, leaving CBS was kind of a, um, a surprise move for a lot of people, and so many people were reaching out to me. But the conversation that we had absolutely stuck out. And like I said, Patrick was another guy who reached out to me, and I mentioned to him, you know, Sal said this too. Um, and I chewed on that and it was like, okay, I'm going to go check it out. And I started checking it out and it's like, you know, this makes a lot of sense. I saw some of the other examples they had on their site for, for similar types of content. Um, you know, true hoop is a a basketball blog that I've I've certainly heard of and and have respect for. I'm not a huge basketball guy, but, um, they're, they're done through Substack, And, um, I was starting to build it out a little bit as I started looking at it. I was like, Hey, this is pretty darn cool. Uh, and then, yeah, the next day I was just like, all right, I'm doing this. This is how I'm doing it. And I set it out. <laughs> I was like, it, it, go sign up. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. All right. So now we're going to get into the actual main event portion of this podcast. Um, so the main reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because you kind of just briefly mentioned it. Two, day, two days before the start of the regular football season, you sent out a bombshell of a tweet announcing your departure from CBS Fantasy Sports. You had been a fantasy analyst there for the previous 16 months, uh, and now this essentially made you the hottest free agent in the fantasy analyst game. 
and I'm sure, like myself, many in the community were shocked by the news, but also at the same time kind of selfishly wondering where you would go next because, you know, one, some of your talent wouldn't be without a home for long, but two, we want to know where we could get stealing signals and how much we'd have to pay for it, yeah. uh, which turns out not a lot. Um, so you did decide to bet on yourself and turn Stealing Signals into a premium newsletter on Substack um, that you can find at bengretch.substack.com, uh, which you can get for the low, 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 low price of $5 a month. Uh, that is U.S. funds. I know I, I, I joked about it on Twitter before, but that is $6.66 Canadian after the exchange rate and I know because I am a paying subscriber uh, and that's just like I, I said on Twitter that's two of my favorite muffins at my coffee shop so I, I'm sacrificing my daily muffin intake for you Ben I appreciate uh, it man I tried to give you a free subscription no I'm not it's, it's five bucks man I, it made a, me a sweet logo like you just went you're like hey dude I, I've been looking at uh, some stuff here's a here's a logo I whipped up I'm like that is that's pretty sweet. We're going to put that on the site. All right. Well, I'll take you up on the offer once you start charging 100 bucks a month. How about that? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, so bet on yourself. Shoot your shot. No, one of my favorite people online is Shay Serrano of The Ringer because he's always you know, spreading the message of positivity, helping people out. He commonly, commonly, regularly tweets how we should bet on ourselves, that we need to shoot our own shot. Uh, which is basically what you are doing with the Stealing Signals newsletter. So tell us about the decision to leave CBS Fantasy Sports, which I can't imagine was an easy one to make, especially that late into the off season. I mentioned two days before uh, the kicking, kicking, <laughs> two weeks, two days before the the kickoff game of the season. And then tell us a bit about why you decided to bet on yourself with the newsletter. Yeah. Um... It's interesting. I don't know that I, it wasn't really a decision to bet on myself. As I kind of mentioned, I, I didn't know even if I was going to do stealing signals. I got an opportunity to do some writing for a sports betting site that I thought was interesting. Um, I, I really enjoyed working at CBS, uh, really enjoyed the team there. The people there are, are all tremendous people. Every, every person that I worked with there was, um, and I wasn't there that long, but I, I feel like I, I, can say are, are going to be, you know, friends for a long time in this industry. And, and that's something that, um, you know, I value very highly. Um, it was, you know, there, there were, there were a lot of reasons. Um, one was, you know, I came into kind of an entry level role and I was hoping to, to grow it. And that's something that I talked about with, with my boss right away. And, and we were on the same page with Chris Towers, who's in just a tremendous person to work for. Um, and we were on the same page about that and, and going through checks and, and, and things. And I was hoping to make myself, um, you know, very, uh, you know, the, the word I used was indispensable. Um, and I think in many ways I accomplished that, but then it also happened to be a situation where a year after I started, there was a global pandemic and things changed in the entire landscape of, of a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, just from a business perspective, there were, there, the, the, the the role wasn't going to grow uh, the way that I was hoping it would uh, anytime in the near future. And, and that's just sort of uh, one of those things that happens. I don't think that was anybody – in fact, I can say confidently that's not what anybody there wanted. I think they all really wanted to, to continue to have me around. Um, but that's just kind of how things go. And, and 
because of that and because of this other opportunity with the sports betting site, there was just um, some opportunities for me to, to, to consider some other things. And, and one of those things is, you know, was and, and remains to, to no longer be as active in the fantasy football community um, and to, to go get like a, you know, a, a normal desk job. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, that is something I'm considering and actively doing and, and looking looking around, um, which I know that a lot of people, you know, maybe listening to this or, or people who know my work are, are maybe not excited to hear because I have heard some of those kinds of comments. It's just sort of, you know, how it goes. I have kids and a family and, and sometimes you have to do things that are, that are right for yourself. And, uh, but after making kind of that, that tough decision – uh, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to want to go through the whole season without doing any fantasy football content. And so obviously stealing signals is the big one. And if I'm going to um, do that type of research on Mondays and Tuesdays, it's not really that much harder for me to write it up. And frankly, because uh, I'm writing it up, it's more in depth and it's better research probably than I, than it would have been if I, if I didn't have this sort of obligation to get this content out and get through every team and everything. Um, and so, you know, I started talking to some people about that. And, and like I said, a lot of, you know, I, I reached out to some places, some places reached, a lot of places reached out to me, which I thought was very, um, I very much appreciated. It was very humbling to see that, you know, and, and to hear you say something like the hottest free agent, like, okay, that's, that's not how I, I view myself, but I think that's a very cool thing to hear. Um, and, and so I certainly was considering a lot of different things, but Yes, I, I mean, I follow Shea Serrano, too, and there's a lot of, um, you know, other people who talk about the, those types of things. And, and having the my own control, not having kind of the, the obligations and the deadlines and the grind of somebody else telling me when, when things are due and, and, and what I'm going to do, yeah, there's an appeal to that. And so I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I, I if I'm going to do this, I, I could do it on Patreon, which is really the only thing I knew about. I didn't know anything about Substack. Um and just, you know, at first it was, okay, I'll do a smaller version of Stealing Signals. I'll do a recap, my biggest notes of the week, and uh, maybe I'll do some player rankings or what, you know, waiver wire lists, whatever, basic content. But the more that I heard from people, it was pretty clear, first of all, that everybody associates me with Stealing Signals, which is kind of um, kind of funny because as we were talking, you know, I've done a lot of different things in this industry. I've done a lot of podcasting. I did some serious radio when I was with Roto Grinders. I've done um, tons of podcasting with with CBS this past year. Uh, done a little live TV with them on, on CBS Sports HQ. Done so much editing. Done so much writing on so many different types of topics. I, that was always a goal of mine to show that I could kind of basically take tackle anything. Um, and I think that's you know, evident in my sports betting, um, you know, my excitement about that opportunity as well, because that's not something I've done a ton of content for, but um, it is an exciting new thing for me to challenge. I like those new challenges and, and things I can sink my teeth into. Uh, so I, it, it is sort of funny. It's like this one piece of written content is what you're known for. But at the same time, it's also the thing that I get the most value out of that I do. Everything else that I do uh, – not everything, but a lot of it is more me writing things that I already believe or saying things on podcasts that I already believe or, or whatever. I mean, obviously I do some research, um, you know, related to topics we're going to talk about on a certain podcast or whatever, but 
for the most part, it's okay. I, this is something that I, I believe in. I'm going to tell everyone else about it. Signals is different in that it's me doing all my own research. It's me um, figuring things out and sort of taking uh, the reader through the process with me. You know, here are all my notes from Sunday, and here's what I'm adding to them as I do the research. You know, I thought I saw this, but now that I saw the data, looks more like this. I don't know. Like, um, you know, a lot of just me sharing my process, I think, and and I get a lot of feedback that's like, okay, but do I start this play or this play? And it's like, that's not really what Stealing Signals is. And I, I am getting away from that this year um, for me because it's one of those things that like, I would love to help every person who asks me for help, but there's no way I can – I can't even manage my own teams. <laughs> uh, there's no way I can help you with all your waivers and all your start sits. Um help everybody who, who reaches out to me. And I, again, I, I understand that there's a lot of people that's, that's what they're looking for out of a fantasy analyst and that's fine. But that's something that I'm choosing to kind of cut out. Um, and just focusing on, on something that I enjoy doing. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's incredibly hard, but I enjoy doing it. I enjoy the process. I enjoy the information that it gives me and, uh, how it informs the way that I, you know, think through stuff throughout the week and the different um, injuries, news and things that pop up. Okay. Well that relates back to these, you know, snap notes that I noticed on their wide receiver four. if this player is out, well, then this is the guy that's going to be um, maybe a sleeper in DFS or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's where we're at. I, I, I said, okay, well I'll do stealing signals. I'll do it on Mondays and Tuesdays. I won't make it much more than that. I, I hope that a lot of the subscribers have read the the notes that are on the on the site that say that look, I'm not promising anything other than stealing signals. That's that's what this is. That's why it's five dollars. Um But uh yeah, I mean that's just sort of the I, I, I wouldn't say that I went out and bet on myself is kind of the thing, you know? It's kinda of like it just came Came that it went that way, you know. People right. wanted me to go write signals at other sites, and I realized there was a lot of interest in it. But I didn't want to write it for another site again. So what do you do? Well, you you start your own thing. You know, you have something that's successful. Go start your own thing, and uh, at least that has upside, and you can see how successful it will be. You know, kind of doing it on your own. So a lot of people like you, like I said, gave me the you know gave me the, the ideas and the ways to navigate this, and um, that's a you know a big takeaway for me on this was whenever you make these types of decisions, it's great to lean on the people who you respect and who, who know the industry and who um, can give you some, some strong advice. And I think we, we landed in a, in a, a spot where it's almost like I planned this whole thing. Like I got like <laughs> stuck the landing. Like, Oh, now I have this newsletter of stealing signals and everyone's saying, how, I mean, how did you not do this before? This is the perfect format for this. And I'm like, look, I, I didn't even pl- decide on this until after I left CBS. <laughs> you know, this is something that just came together as I was, you know, again, free falling and then stuck the landing. So there you go. It's funny. I've been hyping up the this show as betting on yourself. And here you are saying that you didn't even think you were betting on yourself. But if you, you know, look back on the decisions you made, one, you decided to leave CBS during a global pandemic. And it was a, a steady gig at the moment. And then you decided to go through with the newsletter. So there had to come a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to leave this job. I don't know what I'm going to do next. But then you eventually decide, okay, I'm going to turn this into a newsletter. Like that was your decision. You made that. You followed through on it. So what made you finally decide, okay, I am writing this newsletter. It's happening. I'm doing it. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I mean – 
I don't mean to say that I wasn't, you know, betting on myself and was completely clueless because there was certainly those those thoughts and those, you know, that decision. And like I said, when sites are reaching out to me, um, I've done this enough and been in the industry long enough to know what that means and what that entails to kind of be a freelance writer. Um, and I sort of was like, you know, that's if I was going to do that, I would have stayed at CBS. Like that's I, I love that that job. I love that that position and. Um, it was a, a blast to do, but I was just sort of um, in in certain ways just sort of ready for the next challenge, I guess. And um, so then I had, you know, I had these options, but the options were essentially do I, you know, go to another site? Do I uh, explore, you know, a podcast? Do I do those things? And you know, the thing that I, uh, again, that I kept hearing from people was that they wanted to, to see stealing signals. That's the thing that I, I've done and, and and people enjoy. That's my kind of unique contribution probably to uh, the, the fantasy industry that people associate with me, as you said. Um, and so it was like, okay, like I, I do know that there's a little bit of um, interest in this and, and this is a, a way to bet on myself, like you said. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think it's required to have sort of the success before. I think uh, if you have an idea that you're very confident will be successful, it's okay to, to try that. I mean, I um, I tried that with another idea that will, will probably be floating around again called Omni Fantasy, which is this multi-sport draft thing that I started talking about a lot this spring, and, and people tried it, and um, it – it came right before a pandemic and all the sports <laughs> shut down. So <laughs> that hasn't really worked out, but um, th- like I, that was something that I was just very confident in the idea and, and started to push it and, and had some, had a really good partner in Kevin's at Lucal who was working with me on it. And uh, like I said, once sports are all back up, we'll probably get that going again. That's another way that, um, you know, I think you can bring unique uh, content or, or we, I can bring unique content to the, to the fantasy community um, but yeah, I mean, you have to have a differentiating factor. If you're doing the same content as everyone else, you have to have a differentiating personality or, or stick, um, you know, not to drum it down to that, but that is part of it. Um, this is a hobby for most people and the entertainment side of it is important. And, and, you know, m- for me more, more broadly, if, if you're going to have a differentiating factor, it's going to be that your analysis or the way that you're going about things is different than whatever anyone else is doing. And then, uh, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you start to see, uh, and, and you're successful, you start to see people kind of implementing some of the things that you've been talking about and, and doing similar analysis. And then, you know, I think that's just a, a cool thing, you know, <laughs> like at that point, it's like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, you know, I and mean, that's something that is um, very exciting. And um, at any rate, I, yeah, I, I, I certainly made a decision at some point that, look, I was going to go through this. I know what the work is. The work is a lot. It's very, it's very labor intensive, you know, these are the amounts of um, subs or, or the amount of interest I'd have to have. I, I talked to a lot of people. I talked to my older brother, who's somebody whose opinion I really um, trust on these types of matters. And he was actually the one that was like, send out a poll. Who cares? <laughs> I was like, I never would have thought to do that. But I sent out a poll and there was hundreds of, of people that, you know, answered to the Twitter poll. Yeah, I'd pay five bucks a month for this thing. So um, at the end of the day, I was like, OK, like I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go do it for five bucks a month. We'll see how it goes. And. You know, not making any guarantees that I'll do it all season, but we'll start it. It's it's most useful early in the year, 
um, when when things aren't really clear, and so these deep dives can really be great at, at uncovering stuff that, that people aren't noticing. But um, yeah, so I, I yeah I wouldn't say I wasn't I, I was not betting on myself, but I also it was is just kind of a certainly certainly a, a decision to do that, but one that was made in conjunction with other you know other moving pieces. Uh, and obviously I'm really excited about how it's kind of come together. Nice. I want to get your thoughts on this because I was in a position like you once before. I was writing for a website as a freelancer, uh, getting a certain amount of X dollars per article, and I'm like, do I want to keep doing this for somebody else or do I want to try and build my own platform and fail on my own way? So did that thought ever occur to you? Yep. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, especially like I said, when there were people that were re- like sites that were reaching out to me and had interest in stealing signals, um, I think that to me was like, okay, well, they they like it enough that they were willing to put their brand up behind it. That's that's notable to me. Um, so you know, again, like and and. and I should say before I even left CBS, this was something I thought about. Something I talked to, to Chris and some of those guys about. I was like, maybe I'll open my own Patreon and do, you know, stealing signals. It, it was a thought I had had before I even made that decision. I can do my own fantasy football, you know, work somewhere. It's just not something I'd really, really considered. Um, but when you know I started to get that other interest in those things, it was like, okay, I could let some other site take the risk of of incorporating this new stealing signals, um, you know piece of advice and or, or piece of content. And there is one thing about signals that's interesting is, you know, I wrote it at Rotoviz, I wrote it at Fantasy Insiders, and then I wrote it at CBS, and it's never actually been in the same place uh, for multiple seasons, which is like that. there's always a lot of initial excitement to bring it on, but it's, it's a lot of work for people to edit too. Like I always appreciate my editors. It's a lot of um, – it's so much time from me that it's it. I'm, there's not a lot of other ways that I'm contributing, especially early in the week. Um, and so I, I don't think that's the, you know the specific reason it's bounced around. I think you know I've I've had some new opportunities that have opened up that have been very cool. Um, but I think uh, there there is something about that where there's a lot of initial interest, but um, the long term like the long-term plan for it's such a, a, a bulky piece of content that it's not necessarily something that is going to ever probably be like the figurehead for some other already established site. It almost has to be the, the main thing or, uh, or, you know what I mean? Like you can't just kind of incorporate it into a site that already exists. Um, and so, yeah, back to your original question here is like, now I have to make the decision. Do I want to see if, I can make it succeed as its own thing, can it stand up on its own. And if it's going to fail, then it fails on its own, right? Like, like I see how much people actually want this because, you know, and, and there was another follower and I wish I had, a had the name to give them credit, but they sent me that article about the, you know, thousand dedicated fans. All, all you really need is a thousand dedicated. Yeah, I've, fans. I've read that article before. Yeah. It's a really interesting article. I definitely had read it before too. I didn't, I didn't read it again this time around because I, I already kind of had read it and knew the gist, but um, it clicked something to me as well. It was like, that's what Signals is. Signals does have people that are like, I, I want this no matter what. 
Um, it has a smaller group. It might get a lot more clicks on a place like CBS, but it has a smaller group of dedicated people that want to read it for what it really is. So why not have it be its own thing? And if it, if that group's not big enough to where it's you know sustainable and I can actually um, justify the time that I put into it, then that's fine. But let, let's figure that out. You know what I mean? Let, let it fail on its own merits, like you said. I mean, I think that's absolutely part of the decision that, that went into – I mean, that was – frankly, the deciding part of the decision as we've kind of sat here and talked about it that went into whether I would do it at a different site or do it on my own. So um, this is something you mentioned uh, while you are talking. It wasn't on our show notes, so I don't know if you'll – if you want to talk about it now, we can just move on. But I thought it was kind of interesting because you've mentioned this is a hobby for most people. And like there's always a dream that you can get a full-time gig in this industry, but that's not going to happen for everybody. So you do have to lower your expectations – uh, and you had talked about you no know, maybe leaving or having less involvement in the community, getting a nine to five job. Like I've been in that position before. I I feel like I'm in that position <laughs> every day, but I legitimately was in that position before. I was a content manager for a website, editor in chief. Um, that failed. Uh, I was out of work for a while. Eventually, got to the point where I couldn't keep trying to bank on fantasy football being my only source of income. So I had to take a job at a grocery store as a uh, personal shopper. Like people would order their groceries online and I'd have to be the person is in the store picking the groceries out for these people. Uh, so I had to do that for a few months. Eventually I got a writing gig for another website, still kept trying to put my uh, work out there in the fantasy industry. But I thought it was kind of interesting that you had mentioned like maybe get a nine to five job. So it's a good way of kind of bringing it to the topic of what it is you can expect out of trying to become a fantasy writer or just like a member of the fantasy community. So I think maybe a couple of questions here I have for you is, would you be disappointed if you had to leave the fantasy industry because it just wasn't what you wanted out of it to help you support and provide for your family i mean like we're probably in a different situation we're both in our mid-30s we both have family not everybody's out there like maybe someone who's like 20 years old in uh, college has the time to work for very little pay like they can spend hours and hours researching an article to try and build their brand up or get their name out there um so yeah so again uh, basically I know I'm I'm rambling here because I'm trying to find the question because it's not in my show notes and I like to be prepared for this. But again, would you be disappointed if you had to leave the industry? And what advice can you give people listening out there that might look at you know someone on Twitter as yourself? Okay, he's Ben Gretsch. He's written for Rotoviz, CBS. He has twenty thousand followers. This guy hasn't made like, but uh, and behind the scenes, that's not true. So, how can we maybe temper people's expectations? Yeah, I think that's an important thing, too, because I think I, – I mean, I've had people tell me just in the – like the one that stuck out to me in the last month or so uh, before I left CBS, which was like, you know, somebody asked me a question, and I answered it and um, gave them their advice, and they're like, thanks, man, really appreciate it. You have the best job in the world. You don't know how lucky you are. And I was like, you know, I – Number one, like, you know, I understand the sentiment for sure. Probably before I started, I thought that th this was such a perfect job. You get to sit and talk about sports all the time. Um, but that's just not – that's not it. And I think there's a lot of people that think that, that, like, you don't know how lucky you are. It's You're, you're so lucky to have this job. First of all, like, having been at CBS, I can tell you that the guys there, you know, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, the, the big guys, Heath Cummings, those guys all work 
a ton. Like people think, oh, they don't do anything. Like they just, I, I mean, I've heard stuff like that. They all they do is talk about sports all the time. Those guys are either podcasting or they're on live on on CBS Sports HQ or they're writing their articles or they're they're game planning or they're they're doing different things. There's meetings, like. They're not not working. It's not just like, oh yeah, here's what I think's gonna happen in in fantasy football this week. Um, it is something that requires a lot of time. So that's the first thing. Is like if you want if you want to do this, you have to understand it's a full time gig. Maybe you just read the writing and you only see a couple of articles a week, and you think all that, that's all that guy does. He writes a couple articles, or you just listen to the podcast and you just think oh, that's all that guy does. He does two podcasts a week. You don't realize that they're doing all these different media's. They're doing all these different. Um, types of content plus all the planning and the back end work that is required and then on top of that to be an everyone wants to gotcha the expert to be an expert which is the word that no one loves but i don't mind using it whatever to be an expert you have to never miss something you can never miss an injury you can never miss something that is uh being discussed in the industry which means you have to be plugged in 24 7 you got to be on your phone you got to be constantly reading reports reading team blogs, figuring out things that um, that aren't widely known, but also everything that's widely known. Because if you miss something that's widely known, everyone gets on you and is like, you're an idiot. How did you miss it? You know what I mean? So that I, it's, it is, uh, it's a fun gig. Don't get me wrong. It's very enjoyable. It's something I, I really like, but it's not um, – you know, people think it's just like, oh, you know, it's millions of dollars and everything is perfect and why would you ever leave? And uh, it's just not like that. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work and it's not as uh, glamorous as people think. And um, that doesn't mean it's not worth it. That doesn't mean I'm trying to discourage anyone who wants to do it. Uh, it has been the most rewarding um uh, personal like work experience that I've ever had by far. Uh, it's been you know very rewarding in other ways on a personal level, in, in in the sense that you know succeeding in the ways that I that I have succeeded and and you know everyone defines success differently. That one of the biggest ways that I would define it is that people that I respect, you know, have respect for for my opinion. So. You know, we talked about this mass audience, and there's a lot of people out there that don't really care about the more analytical stuff. But to see some of the top high stakes players, you know, subscribing to to stealing signals, to see you know early on in my career somebody like Evan Silva recognizing me, or guys like Frank and Sean, or yourself, or or, or Rich Rebar being uh, you know in, in my corner for th- throughout a, a huge part of my career, those types of things are the things that I hold close to me that have been so rewarding in this industry. So there's so much positive that you can get out of this, but it's kind of like a don't quit your day job thing. Like I, I think for most people, it should be sort of this secondary thing. It's a, a challenging thing. It's particularly challenging if you have kids um, or, you know, like you're the, the, the main income winner in, in your <laughs> family. Like those are, those are just sort of realities of this. It's not, um, it's not, I, again, it's not what I think a lot of people think that it is. And, um, I, yeah, I, it, it's, a, it's a tricky subject. But like you said, I mean, temp, you, to temper expectations, I think we kind of have an obligation to do that as a community. And I don't think we do it very well. And so that's why I'm not really that concerned about talking about it. I think there's some element of, you know, people don't want to, to, to talk about the reality of it, um, why there's so many, you know, 
people starting their own subscription sites, and I see these complaints. Uh, everybody's you know so expensive now. And yes, like stealing signals is cheap, but I, if I could have, if I felt like I could have charged more for it, I probably would have. Because the reality is like, this is a lot of work. Like, and and, and this is true for the other people that are doing, um, you know, doing their own sites. They're they're actually the ones that are starting their own sites. They're the ones that are actually, you know, giving themselves again the betting on themselves or giving themselves the upside to actually make it um, pretty pretty financially worthwhile to be doing this type of work. Uh, I, again, I. I'm not trying to disparage anything or any, any part of the community or anything like that, but I, I it is, um, like you said, this wasn't even in the show notes, and it's, I think it's a touchy subject in the community for sure. Um, so uh, hopefully I'm not rubbing too many you know people the wrong way, but it, it is something that uh, is, I think, very important that people understand is that you know there is always a new 20-something um, kid who's very good at this. I was probably better at fantasy analysis, uh, not better, but I was in a lot of ways very good at fantasy analysis in my early 20s. I didn't have the people skills to get an opportunity to write, uh, but back then when I was a single guy, I had so much free time. It was uh, probably a lot easy. It would have, not probably, it would have been so much easier for me to do what I do now then. Um, and I've thought about that, absolutely. I didn't start my career in this industry until I was 27, 28. I had kids and uh I had one kid and, and wife pregnant with another on the way, and um, it was, you know, it, it, it was challenging at that time to be starting, but they were young. Now that they've grown a little bit more, it's even more challenging to balance. Um, you know, once kids are in their, their you know, the, once they're old enough to understand everything you're saying and doing, you want to be present. You don't want to be spending as much time as I do in front of a computer screen, Um you want to be setting good examples and, you know, in terms of work-life balance and then the things that, that, that you value as a human being. And so all those things are, you know, there's a reason it's kind of a young man's game. You see a lot of young people in this industry. And um, anyway, those are all just, you know, definitely, like you said, important things for people to be keeping in mind and thinking about. Um, it's a fun thing to think about and a career path to think about. Um, I would also just let people like, not necessarily caution people, but um, I think you 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 have to you have to really have a passion for it too. I mean, I'll be honest; like my passion for fantasy football has faded at times because it's become more of a job than a than a thing. And you know, I don't play fantasy football the way I used to play fantasy football, which was like doing you know paying a lot of attention to my rosters and things. Now I I don't make any trades. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't um, have the time to be looking at individual leagues and, you know, where I need to improve and this and that. I kind of just take my lumps. I do waivers every week. Um, my teams are luckily still pretty successful, but it, it's different because I don't have the actual time and energy and hours to, to commit to my own process. So I'm kind of almost spending more time just in the um, the process of, of guiding other people through their own processes. Um Anyway, it's a, uh, it's a different, yeah, that's a long, long answer, but it's a, like you brought it up. It's a, it's a good, it's, a, it's something we should talk about more in this industry, in my opinion. Absolutely. No, it's, it's definitely something that doesn't get a lot of pub out there. I think too, a lot of people just kind of, they see you write for fantasy football website. They see you tweeting about fantasy football and football all the time. And they're like, Oh, well that's the dream job. Like I want to have what he has. It's kind of like when you see someone's picture on Facebook, it's like this rosy family, they look so happy, like it's like the perfect picture-esque 
family portrait, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And so you yep. just kind of like, you want what they have, but maybe if you knew what went behind that photo, you'd be like, oh, well, maybe I'm I'm happy where I am now. <laughs> and, yeah, no, it's funny. And like, I've had people ask me like, would you do it all again? Like, absolutely. Like, I, I think absolutely, because I think I've grown so much doing this and learned so many skills, but at the same time, it's there's there's ab, there's also absolutely parts of me that are like my life would have been easier over the last however many years if I just went down a normal path and got a normal job and and got experience at some desk job and worked my way up into you know like the other thing is like my, my resume has fantasy football analysis all over it like who that's not that's not a great thing to have on your resume no I, I think about that every and I I feel like this is the the Sal and Ben therapy hour podcast now I know but I feel about that about myself every day because I look at my resume. I mean, the very, I have um, a degree in political science. I went to film school and then I became a fantasy football writer. And like from the very beginning, my resume, it's just all like fantasy, 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 fantasy. Of course, there's skills you can pull out from there, like writer, editor, podcast producer, content manager. Of course, that's all cool. But I mean, if you want to go get like a nine to five gig somewhere and you send in your resume, it's like, well, I wrote Stealing Signals for CBS Fantasy Sports from 2019 right. to 2020. Like, excuse me, sir, but why do you want to be yeah. a, you know, a clerk for a law firm? <laughs> so I, I, I'm always thinking about what's next because like my current position, that could be gone any second. Like there, my job could just be non existent the next day whether it's because i'm not good at it or because a global pandemic happened and we can no longer keep you on board so it's definitely something we have to keep in mind so i'm going to cut our therapy session short here because we probably could go on and on and uh, (laughs) try to pretend to be a good podcast host and bring us back to the subject at hand so now that um, you are your own boss, uh, as you told me in our Twitter DMs, what are some pros and cons of not being affiliated with a purely fantasy football platform? Has there been any surprises along the way of running a newsletter, good or bad? Um, what are some goals you have with the newsletter? And uh, we'll cut off it there because I had a question, but I feel like we've answered it through the show. Yeah, Um yeah, the thing about being my own boss, I have always worked – I've been really, really blessed. I always work for awesome people in this industry. Um, Chris Towers, I just mentioned, the guys at Roto-Grinders, and David Kitchen was my main guy there, and then obviously Frank and and Sean and everyone else at Roto-Biz. They, they, I mean, just incredible people to, to work for and work with. Um, so certainly in no way disparaging them, but when you are your own – decision maker or whatever, I mean, there's, yeah, there's absolutely pros. You can decide that you don't, you you know, that you don't, um, basically I'm just deciding what what content I want to do and when I want to do it. Obviously I have an obligation to do stealing signals on Mondays and Tuesdays. And that's something that I'm going to do. And and I'm very committed to, you know, like, like I'm, I'm good at just hitting that. I don't need someone else to tell me to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, but I, also, you know, last week just wrote up a random piece of content that was something that was on my mind that I thought was interesting, and a lot of the subs seem to enjoy having that that random, you know, thoughts on waivers and 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 2020 and how the season's going to go and and how things are looking with the the early injuries and and you can find that on the site and it was a free post and I I think it was some of my better writing than I've done in a while because when you're writing about something that you haven't had to like put on a schedule and think through and plan out and map out 
and you're just like, this is what I want to write about. This is what I'm passionate about this morning. I woke up thinking about that's, that's how I got into this. You know what I mean? Like we'll go right back to the Frank thing. I started writing to Frank. This is what I think about fantasy football. Here's some errors I thought were made in this article, whatever. Uh, and he said, okay, well, what is, pick a topic you're passionate about and write about that. And I was like, okay, well, I've been looking at the Saints a bunch. I was just projecting them. I'm going to write about them. That was what was on my mind. That's when I do my best writing. That's when my content um, I would imagine is most enjoyed on the other side is that I'm uh, – and I t- do tend to get be- the best feedback is when I'm just having a thought that um, – you know, maybe unique and maybe something interesting. And then and I want to write about that. I'm passionate about that at that moment. And so that's, uh, uh, and like I said, even before I was doing this, that's what I would do. I would write stuff down for myself. I would write and like I was writing for a site and I'd save it for my myself to read later. And, uh, you know, that started with me making notes every, at the end of every season so I could review them again before the next season. So I could remember kind of what my opinion was of each player and kind of the circumstances you know, after a long off season, the circumstances of the prior year and how these stats were compiled and you know, all that kind of stuff informs what I do now. And so um, those ty- being able to make those types of decisions on your own is is great. You know, it's it's incredible. Um, you, you asked about surprises along the way. I think um, the biggest one was that I chose fantasy sports slash gambling as the topic when I was setting up the stub sub stack. I, st- I told the story earlier that I just was picking out. Um, I was just looking through this thing that you had told me about. And the first thing you have to do is pick a topic and I picked a topic and you can never change that again. Once you set up your sub stack, you can't go back and find that there's, I read their terms and conditions. I read through all the things I could edit. Um, I chose the topic right away and created this, um, this thing and it set off red flags at Stripe, the payment provider, and they wouldn't allow uh, money to be collected because it was gambling related. And then I explained it's not gambling related, it's fantasy sports related. Uh, and in their terms and conditions, they, they actually ended up sending me a screenshot, which I had already read their terms and conditions too. Um, they sent me a screenshot that uh, highlighted the words fantasy sports, but it was very clearly in a list of you know um, outlawed things that you can't do. It was between two commas, you know, and it said fantasy sports contests with cash prizes. And so I had, and they, all they highlighted was fantasy sports. Like, look, fantasy sports aren't allowed. So I had to go back and write them an email and say, um, totally understand your position and, and why this sent off a red flag. And I got like an automated message as well that highlighted the fantasy sports gambling thing um, that I found a few days later that was in like a spam folder. But that's why it, it set off red flags because I chose fantasy sports and gambling, which in hindsight I should not have done. Obviously, it was stupid. But I had to write back and say, you know, this is fantasy sports contest with cash prizes. The contest with cash prizes part is the is the important part. What I'm doing is fantasy sports analysis. I'm just writing about football. <laughs> like this is not anything related to me running a contest and giving out cash prizes. Here's the law, the UIGEA. Like I, I sent them to that. I was like, this is it's very well known in my industry. This is what that refers to in your terms and conditions. I'm very familiar with why this would be a hangup, but I need you to review that, please. And um, they they were willing to go back and, and look over it again. And then eventually by like the next Tuesday, it took three days of going back and forth with them. And like you said, I just launched this right before the start of the season. So I was doing this during the first Sunday and during the first Monday when I'm writing my first uh, Stealing Signals, which came out way later than than I intended. Uh, But they finally got back to me on Tuesday and said, hey, we can accept it now, which was was cool to see. I remember when you were telling me how you're going back and forth with that. And all I was thinking to myself was like, 
shit, I'm the one that told him to go on Southside. What if this doesn't happen? He's just going to blame me. And then, and then I was going to be like, well, just start a new sub stack and don't call it fantasy. No, and I, so I obviously thought of that, but then um, because I had announced it on Twitter, and I only announced it once, but it got some, you know, some um, support right away. Jamie Eisenberg, uh, who I mentioned, uh, have you know a, a strong relationship with over at CBS. He retweeted it right away, and he's you know got hundred mm. plus thousand <laughs> followers. Um, a lot of whom had, had heard me on the CBS show over the last year. And so a lot of people started signing up for the free newsletter. I was getting so many people telling me I can't sign up for the paid one because it tells you a message. Contact the person if you're not able to sign up for the paid one. And so they're all contacting me, which you should do if it tells you that. And I appreciate that. Um, but I, my thing was like, if I start a whole new one, I've already directed everyone here and I already have this email list started. It's already got some people signed up, and I I just want this to work. So let's see if this will work, you know. So another tip out there for uh, potential content creators, read the terms and conditions and know them. Because if you didn't know that, you would have been like, okay, well, I guess I can't write on Substack. But no, like, okay, this is what you say, but this is what I'm trying to do. So it's good right. to, to know your background and history. And then and then the other, the other thing would just be if you are doing something similar to what I'm doing and not an actual fantasy sports contest or anything, don't be so specific and choose the fantasy sports slash gambling <laughs> topic. That's usually one that's going to set off red flags. Just choose sports or choose, like, you know, consulting or something. I think it's the, uh, the, the gambling part of the term that really gets to them. Right. Definitely. Um, so you didn't answer this question, but let's I'll cut it shorter. What's your main goal with the newsletter? There isn't really a goal. I mean, I think that that's kind of the other luxury that goes back to your other question of what are some pros and cons of, of being my own boss? Well, I can do whatever I want now. I can turn this into a long-term newsletter where I have direct contact with the people that are really kind of my true fans. And that's my favorite part of this is there's people that have supported this and read this article at different sites and, those are the people that I want to be able to reach if they are if they want to keep reading this, and um, so I can continue to just do a newsletter. I can maybe grow it into a full site. You know, I've gotten a lot of people asking me if I'm going to podcast again soon. Um, I can, uh, you know, I, I can shrink it back down if I go get a nine to five job and don't have the time to do ceiling signals, and um, you know, if I have to refund a bunch of people if, if that happened tomorrow, then then I would do that. But I I I have these avenues that I can um, sort of decide where I want to go from here. It's been, you know, pretty successful. And, and um, I, I've blown past whatever my expectations were for how many people would sign up. And I think that's very exciting. And, and we'll see kind of what comes of that. I, I don't really um, I don't really have a plan. <laughs> I think that's kind of a good, a good thing. I know what's what's the joke they say? How do you want to make God laugh? Tell him you have a plan. Right, right. I mean, I think that's uh, it's kind of like when you talked about betting on yourself. Like one of the things I'm doing for the first time in a really long time, and there's a lot of reasons for this, but I, um, you know, there's some some personal reasons and some things that we've talked about that I don't necessarily want to get into. But um, you know, just not. I, I guess I kind of made that sound. <laughs> Everything, everything's okay for people listening. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not. I, I, I it was a, it was a sad thing. I had a, a family member pass away, an important person in my life, and it just, you know, it taught me a uh, an important lesson that, or it made me reevaluate some things. And it's like, you know, absolutely, that gave me some courage to better myself. It also gave me, um, it gave me this desire to 
or or not desire, but this acceptance of um, the unknown, kind of, if that makes sense. No, it makes you know what I mean? sense. And, like, and you don't so, know what's, like, what's going to come tomorrow. Yeah, and I don't know what's going to come in this newsletter, but this is the way I want to do it, and so this is the way I'm going to do it. There you go. This is how Ben wants to do it, and that's, so this is how it's going to be done, and that's why you have to subscribe to it to get that yeah. insight, that analysis. So I'm going to uh, sound like a grandpa here for a minute because um, you know fantasy football these days, it's podcasts, it's videos, it's apps, it's stats on stats on stats. And you know, I come from a generation where if I wanted fantasy football content, I would just go to a website and read it. Like podcasts weren't a thing. Fantasy football uh, video shows weren't a thing. And I like to tell people a lot that I might be one of the few remaining people who prefers to consume fantasy content via the written word. And I try to read as much fantasy content as I can with Stealing Signals being one of those. And um, so I wanted you to tell us just a little bit about how the sausage gets made. I think we've kind of gone through this quite a bit during the podcast, but maybe just some brief bullet points. But basically I wanted to know, like, how long does it take to research and write Stealing Signals? Like, for example, I read the week two newsletters and combined that took me 35 minutes just to read the newsletters. (laughs) So I can't even imagine what it takes to research and write and edit. Um, so and and then the the second part to that is you know what are you trying to say in the newsletter like what do you hope readers get out of it and just uh, for my own personal curiosity I just wanted you to just touch a little bit about um, one of the stats that you go through in the newsletter which is high value touches because we it's the kind of a term you don't hear too often in the fantasy community. Sure. Um, the way that I do it is. Um, uh, it's it's a very lengthy process, but it uh, I am not the type that can sit and read this. So, first of all, hat tip to you, and hat tip to all the people who read my my writing, because if I was in your shoes, I would not read the thirty five minutes of the LinkedIn <laughs> newsletters, and I don't blame anyone who just goes to the bullet points at the end or anything like that. Um, I. Uh, I, I spend 15 to 20 hours writing it on Monday and Tuesday. So basically all day Sunday during the games, I have uh, a document open and I'm taking notes, key things that I'm seeing in the games. I think one of the, the reasons that maybe Sean originally wanted me to write this or one of the reasons that I am I am good at this is I am, you know, you never want, there's a big thing in data. You never want to be the guy who is finding data to fit what, you believe, right? You want the data to tell the story. But I think one of my big skills that makes this possible for me is that I can watch the game and know what the data that matters is based on how the data is being, you know, being tabulated. I've, um, I've watched football for so long. I've told, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I was a stats nerd when I was 10, 12 years old. I've always had kind of a, a knack and an understanding for how these stats are actually being accumulated on the field and what that means, what stats were, were legitimate and what, what were fluky, what, what have you, you know. Um, and so as I'm watching, I'm making a note, okay, the, the third string running backs playing a lot on third downs. So running back routes are going to be an important one for that game. You know what I mean? I'm just making shorthand notes like that. And then I know where to look in the stats because there's a lot of stats that I go over and I don't have the time for all 32 teams to look at every single piece of data. I do still, for a lot of the teams, dig into a lot of stuff and find a lot on Monday and Tuesday. That initial groundwork on Sunday while watching the games 
is uh, invaluable. I'm watching all of these games at once, and I am uh, that's kind of a skill in, own, in its own right. It's very challenging, but like last week, there was ten in the t- in the early time slot, the ten o'clock. You know, our, we're both Pacific. The ten o'clock in the morning time slot, there was ten games on. I could only get nine on on via my access, and I could not. Um, I could not keep up with 10, <laughs> but I, then I can, you know, I, I kind of pick and choose which ones I'm going to let straggle. And then I, I go back and I, I watch kind of a condensed game or something if I have the time, but it's that. And then it's okay. First thing Monday morning, I'm exhausted by the end of Sunday. It's a long day of watching and taking notes and studying the games. And, and, but then I, I wake up early Monday and I kind of have an idea of what my story is going to be for each game. And then I compile all my stats that I want to compile um, and, and, you know, open up all the resources that I'm going to use that I, that I mentioned in every, um, in every edition I, at the top where the data is coming from. Um, and then I, you know, I, I compile high value touches and, and all the, the leaderboards that I have and I do all that in the morning and then I start writing and I go game by game and it takes me a half an hour per team. You know, maybe it's sometimes I can get it done in 15 minutes, but it takes a long time to, to write, to, do the snap notes and a key stat and the signal and the noise and write out, you know, the notes that I had and the important information. And so like to get the, the Sunday games done, it was 11 this past week. We're talking, you know, a half an hour per team. It's, uh, you know, 11 games is 22 teams. You're basically spending an hour per game. You're basically spending, you know, it could be 11 hours. I, I didn't do it. in a, It wasn't 11 hours this week. So maybe I was averaging more like 15 to 20, minutes per team and able to get um, more of the games done in a half an hour to, to 45 minutes. But um, it's a lot of work all day Monday. And then I watch Monday football, turn around, wake up Tuesday morning and do the same thing to finish it. And obviously I've found some shortcuts and, and some workarounds, but the actual writing, like it doesn't do itself. You got to write, you know, and I try to be as concise as I can, but there's that my, my favorite quote in, in all of writing. And I'm sure we've talked about it before is the, Blaise Pascal quote, sometimes attributed to Mark Twain. Uh, I would have wrote a, a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Like, <laughs> it, it is hard to write concisely. It takes more time and energy to write concisely. Um, so, yeah, I'm just writing and writing and writing. <laughs> and uh, Like I said, I, I think I'm in some ways uniquely skilled to do this in, in the ways that I'm maybe not uniquely skilled to, to promote my own newsletter, and, and that is like a huge challenge for me, but this particular stealing signals thing, and that's something that, that you already noted, Sean saw in me before, and people like that I do. I, I am good at knowing what to look at and what to write about, and, and so I'm able to do it, I think, relatively quickly. But, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. And then you asked about high-value touches. That's just uh, running back receptions plus touches inside the 10-yard line. Um, so basically there are three – I kind of think of it as three different types of running back touches – there's rush attempts that we think of as the between the 20s rush attempts that aren't really in scoring range. The vast majority of running back touchdowns happen close to the end zone. Um, so these between the 20s touches aren't really that valuable for fantasy, especially now that PPR is so important. Receptions are always valuable. You rack up receptions, you're racking up PPR points. And touches inside the 10-yard line where the vast majority of touchdowns are scored are very valuable. And so high-value touches, these high-leverage you know, touchdown, high high potential for a touchdown touches inside the 10 and all receptions, they make up about a quarter of all running back touches, but they make up close to 60% of all running back fantasy points. 
So it's important for us to understand, because everyone knows that we want running backs that have a ton of touches, but it's important for us to understand which um, which types of touches they're getting. Because guys that are only getting 10 to 15 touches could be more valuable than guys that are getting 25, simply because such a high percentage of their 10 to 15 touches are these high-value touches. You know, we saw that from Naheem Hines in week one, and then he barely played in week two. But these pass-catching backs that can also get some um, some touchdown potential, some goal-line work, can have such high ceilings because almost all the touches are these high-value touches for, for fantasy production. And then there's other running backs that get huge workloads, but they're not getting a lot of high-value touches. Joe Mixon comes to mind so far this year has not got a lot of high-value touches for the total number of touches he's gotten. He's been a little bit disappointing. So it's one way to look at the actual like subset and breakdown of the touches and, and the value of that running back's uh, workload. Right. So you mentioned you know, the week two newsletters. Uh, it took you about maybe 20 to 22 hours. That's almost a full day of your week dedicated to stealing signals. So you're not going to do that if you don't like uh, the process. You don't love writing about football, watching football, talking about it. So just tell us like why uh, you just love writing stealing signals. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a love-hate thing. It's certainly, <laughs> uh, it's certainly not something that I like am thrilled about every week it's um and, and it's a cumulative effect because you're doing it every single week so by week six week eight week ten it's like oh my god i only had a couple of days to recover from the last week and now it's sunday again and monday is coming tomorrow um it is it is uh a process the re- what i love about it is what i was talking about before is that i i do love the research i love what i get out of it um i love how it informs all of my takes for my my other fantasy football research the rest of the week it's so valuable to me um you know i wrote in one of the week one things i feel like i'm kind of like downloading like matrixing this all this information all these takes i'm 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 getting to them quickly about every player in, the, in by tuesday i'm done and then i have five days until sunday where i can use it for waivers i can use it for trades if i want to do trades which I, like i said i don't ever actually really do trades because i don't really have the time i can use it for dfs is what it really comes into play for me um, I can use it uh, to write my, you know, my betting articles because I uh, researched so much about what happened and why the prior results were what they were. So I think there's a huge edge there when you're doing that much research. And it's one of the things that people talk about, you know, football stats are never going to be perfect. They're not. And that, and if you read film signals, you know, I talk about um, kind of like film things, film takes, you know, things that I, I saw and, and that I believe based on what I saw. Um the data is never going to be everything, and that's why I think that people who really grind fan, and like football do do have an edge. Um, it's just not the most efficient edge, and so I understand why also people just focus on the data and the stuff that is um, quantifiable and that, that has its you know strong R squared and you know strong predictiveness and all those things. But the reality is, you know, like like I always talk about this with Josh Hermsmeyer, who's somebody I've worked with since the road of his days early on and have so much respect for. And where we sometimes disagree, we agree about a lot, but where we sometimes disagree will usually come down to a very specific point, which is Josh um, trusts the data. He runs really advanced models. He does awesome work there. He's one of the more um, accomplished people in that regard of anyone in the industry. Uh, He's got the buy low model. He does a lot of other uh, fantastic things as well. The R squared on anything like that that he's done, he can find the most predictive metrics uh, and he does. And and then he, you know, the R squared might be anywhere from 0.4 to 0.6 or what? I, I don't know. You know, 
I understand the the concepts, but I don't actually know you know his, his the the predictiveness that that his latest metrics all have. But what that is essentially saying for people who don't know R squared is that the the rest of that number up to one. So if it's R squared of 0.4, it's saying that 0.6 of it, 60% of the variance is not explained. It's it's explaining 40% of the variance week to week, that whatever that model is. But 60% is unexplained. So Josh, and I've had long conversations with conversations with him about this. He takes the the best metrics he can find, and and he says the rest of it is is largely noise. And and this gets back to the concept of signal and noise. And it is. It's not explainable by any type of data or, or anything, or else I'm confident people like Josh would have found it. Or, or there's still fi- you know things to find in data, but um, there's a the 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 point is in football, everything's a small sample, everything's changing. There's injuries. It's not just a 16 game season; it's a small sample. Every week, the circumstances of an offense or a defense changes, uh, even within games. And so your your the variables you have to control for there's a lot. And that's what I think the unexplained variance on all of these models is. And my goal is, I, and the difference between me and Josh and all of that, I'm trying to um, explain some of that unexplained variance, which I think is uh, you can get to, to trouble doing that. But if you understand what these models are doing and what they tell us, and I do rely on them heavily, I rely on air yards heavily, I rely on um, the, the, the most advanced research, which is stuff that I all very much trust, if you understand what they're doing and what they're not doing, you can also maybe understand a little bit of why they sh- they're not explaining all the variants. And and so I'm willing, like, so Josh is, is going to say, these are the things that we know, and these are the things I'm going to trust to make my decisions and, and assume that in the long run that's going to give me an edge and an advantage, and I think it does. Uh, and I'm saying that, and I also want to take, on a little bit of a risk and I'm not saying this is better or worse, but I want to try to explain some of the unexplained variants. And so there's just a little bit of a difference there. Um, like I said, in, in approach, but it, again, doesn't mean anything's better or worse. It just means that's, that's kind of what I'm doing and what I'm approaching and what I get out of it. And I, when I do all of this work and all of this research and all this effort, uh, I feel like I've accomplished some of that and can have stronger opinions, um, on on what I believe will happen going forward. I think that's similar to how Evan Silva would describe his process with the matchups and the matchups column and, and how uh, Rich Rebar would describe his process with the worksheet and anyone else who does that type of big piece of content. You're coming out of it with this um, appreciation for what might have gotten overlooked or what might throw models or data into what, out of whack. And, and so you're hopefully pro- pro- providing yourself with a better picture than most of the other people and, and providing most of the people that are just looking at, you know, their, their fantasy totals and the, and the box scores and these basic levels of data. And hopefully you're providing an edge there. Um, and, and that's what I get out of it when I do it for myself as well. So uh, hopefully that's what my readers get out of it too. Well, I think I can speak for everybody who subscribes to Stealing Signals is that we are very appreciative of the time and effort you put into you know, providing us with this newsletter emailed directly to our inboxes every week. Uh, <clears throat> so sadly, uh, we're reaching the end of the show, not because I don't want to keep talking to Ben, because honestly, I feel like we could just keep talking for hours and hours, yep. <laughs> but I just don't have any other questions on my show notes, and I'm not smart enough to think about them on the spot. So before we do uh, end this program, I'm going to put you on the clock. So this is our version of the two-minute warning. 
in two minutes or less, tell us why people should subscribe to Stealing Signals. Well, you should subscribe if you're like Sal and you like to read 35 minutes of fantasy football. No, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of reasons to subscribe. You're going to get the the potential to read in-depth breakdowns of any game, but you're also going to get the Cliffs notes, the the signal and the noise. And, and like you said this year at the end of the, the Tuesday newsletter, the second one where I finish up the rest of the games, you'll get to read my biggest signals and my biggest noise of the week. So, if if you're someone who doesn't want to read 35 minutes of stuff, what I would suggest doing is read those every week. And then for the players that are actually on your team, maybe go read the blurb about them because pretty much for every game and for every player, I'm writing about the main the main players. And if I haven't touched on a player, it's because I, I kind of think that nothing really changed with their with their game. Like a, a, a high-end elite wide receiver one has a, an elite wide receiver one type game. I'm probably not going to mention that. You You can probably figure out what I think about that. But – you can like what the way I would approach it. If I was a consumer, I would go read the in-depth stuff about all the players on my team that I care about, and then I would read the the bullet points at the end of all the the biggest signals and noise from around the league. Maybe it'll give me some trade candidates and some waiver options and some people to consider or keep an eye on. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think that's the it's all there for you. There's there's obviously enough that you can read for, about every every team and every player and get a really in-depth thought about everyone. But there's a um, you're going to get a mix of the the analytics and the film watching, and and hopefully that provides you with a pretty good idea of what to expect going forward. So that took a minute and 40 seconds. You have 20 seconds left to tell them the most important part is that it's only $5 a month. Yeah, yeah, $5 a month. Uh, you, It's September 23rd right now as we record this. You can do three months for 15 bucks. You'll get to Christmas. You'll be done with your fantasy season. They got a Christmas present to yourself because you can uh, use all the money you win in DFS from the newsletter information to buy yourself a nice present. All right. Well, that is the end of the show. So, uh, Ben, I want to thank you greatly for your time. I really appreciate you coming on and talk to me. Uh, before you leave, uh, just quickly remind the audience where they can find you on Twitter and how they can subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah, Twitter is at yards per Gretch, G-R-E-T-C-H, and uh, the newsletter is bengretch.substack.com. I think you have to create a free account first, and then it'll give you the subscription options um, to get the, the actual stealing, stealing signals articles emailed to you. You do have to pick one of the subscription options. You don't um, have to pick before you you know can preview the site, so you can click through and preview the site. There is a a free post on the site that explains my idea of the, the different subscription options, um, which is basically just that there were options on Substack and I just put them there, but the $5 thing will get you everything you want. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where you find it. Awesome. All right. So, uh, as always, I am your host, Salvatore Stefanelli. You can find me on Twitter at SalPal2. And uh, this is a podcast that I just did with Ben Gretsch. Goodbye and uh, have yourself a great day. Well, you know this is amusing and lyrics that tell.